This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Kia ora and welcome to Calling All Workers, Union's Manawatu show. My name is Derek Picking, I'm an organiser for First Union. Uh, our union deals with finance, industry, retail, stores and transport. And my partner in crime as normal is George Larkins, General Secretary of the Manufacturing and Construction Workers Union. Kia ora, George. Kia ora, Derek. Morena koutou whanau. Hey, um, I suppose uh, today this is our first show back since Christmas. Um, I hope you had a good break and uh, I did. got to catch up with the family and the COVID wasn't too much of a hassle on us yeah. It was a bit of a hassle, but yeah, we did all catch up. Yeah, fair cool. Hey, uh, let's start with uh, something of some news that, and that uh, I understand that you're taking a case, the MNC is taking a case uh, on drug and alcohol. So tell us what's going on there, mate. Yes, well, I think we've spoken about it previously on one of our shows, but um, just to remind people, um, the um, case is actually about the workers' right to choose the test method used when doing a drug test. So in this case, um, we had a drug and alcohol policy that had a drug and alcohol policy procedure that stated that the test would be urine or saliva or hair follicle or blood test. So there was um, a big thing as or, 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 was it? The big things were the or, and not just that, but the fact that um, we had been fighting with the company over the use of urine testing mm. um, for over a year, <clears throat> and we had uh, worked with them and kept saying to them that we would be happy for our members to, or our members would be happy to um, provide saliva tests. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they felt that urine sampling was um, more social engineering than looking for impairment at work because yeah. of the nature of how those tests That's work. That's right, lifestyle stuff, eh? Mm. Mm. But um, in any event, our members in no way support uh, drugs at the workplace or people being impaired at it. But they felt the most logical and sensible test to utilise was saliva testing because it sort of says uh, in what period of time you used it as opposed to the urine sample, mm. which you could might have used 30 days ago, but it's still in your system. Well, it's not in your system, it's metabolites, which is what is produced after the drug has had its effect. It's an inactive substance, really, isn't it? It's an inactive substance, yes. So anyway, the case itself hinges on that uh, drug and alcohol Drug and alcohol policy, excuse me, whānau, and also, (laughs) uh, I'm not stoned, (laughs) and also... um, and also on the conversations we had had leading up to the inclusion of those words. So from our perspective, those words had always meant that the worker would have the right to choose saliva. However, when the employer first tried to utilise that new wording, um, our member that was in the firing line said, yep, fine, I'll do the saliva mm. test. He said, oh, no, you won't, you'll do urine. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. there was a refusal to do it. Uh, there was an immediate... Um, you know, threat of job loss yeah. and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. So um, 
we challenged their right to um, uh, dismiss, obviously. The member wasn't dismissed um, or was suspended on pay. Um, the matter went to mediation. We failed to settle it there. It then went to the Employment Authority where it was settled and we won. Can I, can I ask and, a question just so I didn't interrupt you, mate? So you said that he wasn't suspended and he wasn't, you know, fired and all that kind of drama. Mm. Um, so what was what was he what was he tested for? Was it because uh, did he have a, an incident or what? What was it? That no, he, there was no incident. So it was a random just, test. Just you know, like mm. just pick him out of the crowd yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. So they had no concerns or worries. No. no. Okay. There was no signs of impairment. He wasn't behaving oddly or had had a weird accident that there was no explanation for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just uh, we're testing. It was a random test. Okay. And then um, it, um, and then what? Yeah. So it's gone to Peter Cranny. Yes, so anyway, uh, we won in the Employment Authority. The authority agreed that the worker had the right to choose. Oh, brilliant. The employer appealed that decision. Um, however, it was quite an odd appeal because uh, they didn't want to appeal necessarily the decision. They wanted to have the whole case reheard in the Employment Court. The whole case? Um, so that the Employment Court could rule on the efficacy of urine-based testing versus saliva testing because the employer's view is this is my workplace, I should have the right to decide which test you we utilise based on how I believe drugs at the workplace could be um, harming people, impairing people, etc. So, so just so I, just so I'm really clear is that, <clears throat> excuse me, you have, a, you have an agreement with the employer that's an agreed legal document that says... Yes, we'll do the testing, which is, you know, you're right. Now, the unions are always uh, in favour of not having it at the workplace. Um, and it said you can do this one or this one or this one. Mm. And, 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 and you just chose, you know, B or whatever it was. It doesn't actually say this one, this one or this one. It says the um, test will be urine or saliva or hair follicle or blood. Yeah, yeah. And the reason we say that gives the worker the right to choose is because of the conversations that led to the inclusion of those words, which was that our members would only do a saliva test. Mm-hmm. So an agreement was made to put saliva testing into the into the drug and alcohol policy procedure. Um, they agreed to it. Um, it was our suggested wording. Mm. They agreed to it, and it always meant that we had the right to choose or our members did. Um, so in any event, um, they're appealing it uh, in the Employment Court. It's a full bench sitting, okay. Um, okay. so it will be quite precedent-setting. So this is a really, really important case in that um, if going forward the, uh, the employer was to win, then employers would have the right to choose the test, even although we now know that we have uh, saliva testing standards and we have saliva testing laboratories that can analyse those um, tests that are done. So there's no reason not to move to saliva testing. Urine testing is um, it's okay. It's inappropriate. It's um, you know it's intrusive. Uh, saliva testing is far less intrusive. Um, mm. Employers should be moving to the least intrusive method, mm. and it's our belief that it's the most appropriate and useful method because. Um, we have challenged other urine tests in the past and won, um, and that's because of the nature of how that test is done. So um, with saliva testing, um, it's not a test for impairment, and neither is urine testing. Um, however, with the saliva test, it says you've utilised that drug within the last six hours. So we would agree that an employer has a reasonable right 
to determine that a person who's used a drug that can, um, you know, impair. alter your mind and impair your mind, that you could still be impaired under that drug some six hours, up to six hours it comes, later. It comes to the balance of probability, doesn't it, mate? It because does, if, yeah. if you if you do a swab and it comes back that, you know, it indicates in the last six hours, or eight, you've, and then you then you go for a urine test and then that – so that basically says to us as a unions, we'd say – the balance of probability is, mate, is high that you are still uh, mm. under the impairment of that. You're infected mm. by it, and we wouldn't. Um, we see no reason why we would challenge that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, as I said earlier, they were trying to get the courts to rule on the efficacy of um, uh, urine versus saliva. The court isn't going to do that, and neither should it. Peter Cranny, our lawyer, um, has challenged all of that, um, and it's moving ahead with a challenge on whether or not. Um, the collective has an implied term. Now, the Employment Court can't rule on an implied term. They can't rule that a collective has an implied term. Why? Because they can't. They can't imply a condition on a collective mm. that doesn't already exist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they can only enforce one. Yeah. They so can't create it, a new one. That's right. What it is yeah. is what it is, and that's yeah. the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, and when's that? Yeah. Um, well, it's due in March, but you know it's starting to become like war and peace, and we're wondering <laughs> when the hell it's ever going to end, <laughs> and how much it's all going to cost. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a very important case, but uh, we are moving forward on that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on now to something that's a little bit controversial, and um, you know, obviously, and when we're recording this show, um, obviously, one of the big things in the news um, of late is the um, protest down in Wellington. I'm not sure what to actually call it, whether it's a freedom post or a protest or whether it's a, um, you know, anti-vax protest or it's a Trump rally or it's a whatever. I don't, I don't know because there's no actually, I think there's no actually particular uh, one. There seems to be a number of groups. But what's what's kind of disturbing, I suppose, from us as unionists because we, we are quite, and you'll agree that we're, we're quite in to believe the right to protest. It doesn't matter how silly or we believe you are or your thoughts you as a, as a New Zealander and under our rights, we have the right in which to protest. But there are some problems with this protest, I think, mate. And what, what's your – I'm sure, you know, we, we've spoken about this before. So what's your kind of take the, the difference between a let's have a protest and, and tell her how we feel to what's happening currently? Well, I think um, the most important thing about a protest is that it needs to draw attention to the issue. Mm. And I think they're failing in that regard. I think there are so many issues within that protest that nobody clearly understands or knows exactly what um, the uh, combined uh, protest is about. Mm. Um, The other thing is is that we as unions have been involved in many protests um, and we would never sink to um, abuse school children on their oh. way to school, um, even if um, they were doing something, um, you know, criticising us or yelling at us. We mm. wouldn't. We, we just simply wouldn't do that. It's mm. unacceptable behaviour. Um, being violent, um, swearing at ordinary people, trying to go about their business. That's not a protest. That's abuse. Yeah. Um, so I don't support the protest in reference to that. However. Um, in reference to the freedom protest, which is about ending mandates, um, I do actually believe that there it's time for a conversation to be had about um, how mandates will end. And the government's already made an announcement about saying that we are moving towards ending uh, mandates, but they haven't been specific about what that means because mm. there's quite a few mandated things like they've mandated the wearing of masks. 
They've mandated distancing. They've mandated vaccination. So when they say any mandates, what does that mean? Because we know clearly that um, the biggest issue, or I mean, the issue that sort of resonates for me and that I have some sympathy for is people losing their jobs because they didn't get vaccinated. Um, while I understand the need for that to have happened, I have sympathy for the fact that families have you know, lost income, people have lost jobs because they've strongly believed they didn't want to get vaccinated for whatever reason, whether I agree with that or not. The issue is about families and lives being affected. So I understand that. Um, so ending mandates, you know, what does that mean when the government says ending mandates? So um, we need to understand when it's when they will end mandates for vaccination. I read a thing from Russell Coates, who we all remember uh, won yeah. the America's Cup and then betrayed us. And <laughs> oh, else. Straight <laughs> betrayed us. <laughs> but in any event, we won't go there. Um, we won't he go. did make a comment that made real sense to me, and he said, you know. He said, I've been down at the protest and I spoke to three airline pilots who lost their jobs because they didn't get vaccinated. He said, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Why on earth is it that as an unvaccinated person, they can have a rat test, sit in with all the passengers as a passenger, but they can't sit in the cockpit having had a rat test without vaccination and fly the plane? Why is that? So that sort of says there is an issue, right? There, are, you know, when you think through, we have new tools in the toolbox. Yeah, that was always going to happen, though, wasn't it? You know, when yeah. we, yeah. you know, I mean, I harp on to you about because my brother's overseas, and mm. I, and I suppose when I look at where he stays in Singapore, they're kind of ahead of us. They're they're at their peak at the moment, with yeah. their, you know, um, and where we will be probably in two to three months, you know. So yeah. when they when they were doing their, you know, the rat tests, they were, you know, supplied out pretty quick to everybody in Singapore. Yeah. They did the, you know, do before you go to work, show that it's uh, clear in a way. And to, to normalise and, and to get uh, people back into a society and, and get it working. But <clears throat> on saying that, they also had, you know, because it's Singapore, they're also very strict, you know, like, their, their, um, their vaccine passes, you know, they've got like those... Um, you know, uh, things that you go through the railway stations, you know, those gate controls where you, you put the vaccine pass, if it goes beep, you can get into the mall. But if you can't, you don't get to go in the mall. And they're very strong around what is, you know, fully vaccinated because theirs is um, fully vaccinated as booster. So there is some difference, but you're right. Um, you know, they, you know, as I say, I look to them and see what they're doing and then how far they're ahead of us because we seem to be – we don't need to invent the wheel because it's happening elsewhere. Yep. And those tools that are coming out of that is ones that we should be looking at to make sure that we get it. But yep. just lastly, just while I let you back in there, mate, is that it's really easy for us because we're not, we haven't got the ultimate responsibility. We don't, you know what I mean? We, we don't, I won't be held accountable if, you know, if we suddenly have deaths or, or it goes out of order, businesses, I'm not the one held accountable. Everybody, The only people that are held accountable at the moment and we look at is the people, obviously, we have elected to lead us to do this. Um, and, and yes, they're under pressure from everybody. Mm. Um, they're under pressure from those extremely vulnerable people, you know, that, um, well, if they get COVID, will most likely die. They're under pressure from the workers of, of the country saying, we want to work, we shouldn't be losing our jobs. And they're under pressure from the employer saying, we need to make money. Um, we understand, you know, we, we're doing it, but we need to get there. So, yeah, I think you're, you're probably right, um, but I don't know I don't know how fast you can do that is if you're the one making the decisions. You get the, you get the advice in from the, the experts, you know, the, the medical advice who are always 
at the, you know, they'll have us closed for a long time, you know. So balancing up what they're saying to what everybody else is saying and then making a decision. And that's the hardest thing when you're a leader is that is making a decision that you know that nobody's going to be 100% happy with this. There's always going to be an element. We do that in our union where collectively we might have a, a you know, a deal that's, or, you know, a bargaining settlement and we might get a 70% pass rate, you know, that voted in favour. So we, we think that's marvellous. We think 70%, you know, that's great. Away we go. There's 30% that don't, that don't like it. And of that 30%, there's 10% that hate us, think we're the worst thing out. So there's, and imagine that on a 5 million level where you, you know, you've got different ways of dealing stuff. It, it is, I think it's extremely difficult. And I think sometimes we are, even I get frustrated, you know, because, you know, I want to travel and all those things. I want to have that back. Um, it's not. I don't believe it's an attack on my freedom. I think it's an inconvenience, and and um, and I've got to put up with that inconvenience for a while. But like you, we need to think. But it's. I think it's difficult, bro. Okay, so let's. Um, the first thing I'll just say is that I'm not unsupportive of where the government is at and the pace at which it's doing things, and that it's absolutely right that they have to be extremely cautious because they are dealing with the lives of the community. Um, the other thing about freedom, I would say there is no such thing as freedom when you look at the word freedom and you look it up in the dictionary. What we do have is freedom of choice. Mm. Um, and with every choice we make, there are consequences. consequences. Yep. So the protesters um, are unhappy with the consequence of their choice. That's right. Um, and it's ironic that they're yelling and screaming at people who are choosing to wear masks, which is their choice. Mm. Um, but anyway, all of that aside... Um, the issue really comes down to when COVID first came into New Zealand and in the world, we had a virus that was deadly. And it was yep. the likelihood was that it was going to kill lots of people. Um, and there was no doubt about that. And we needed to act and we needed to do things. And so rules were introduced that were absolutely appropriate for that situation. Just, just on that, do you think that because we did that, because we were so hard and fast with the stuff – that we don't know what it's really like to have COVID because you know, look at these, you know, like United States and England and Europe and all those where they've had hundreds of thousands of people dying and filling their hospitals up. We didn't have any of that, and we still don't have any of that. Well, um, the deaths per million is a fact sheet that um, you can't deny, mm. and um, we are at the very lowest level of death rates as a result of COVID. Mm. Now, that's because of how we managed that at the beginning. So that is because of the quick approach to that, the lockdown, um, the introduction of the vaccine, um, the requirement to have it, all those things um, actually meant we saved lives. Mm. Um, but we are now at a situation where um, it's some years on and um, we have a, a, um, a particular variant, Omicron, and it's uh, sub, sub B or something is another variant of Omicron um, that is out there in the community and it's spreading like wildfire. And uh, the, some of the um, opposition parties were saying, oh, they said we'd have thousands of these by now. And it was um, only a week <laughs> later after they'd said that that suddenly we had a thousand. Um, and so the model is right. It's doubling every three to four days. And, you know, they're saying we'll have up to 10,000 a, yeah. a day new cases. And when it reaches that, well, obviously it's right in the community. Now, because it's a milder version, I guess we get some herd immunity around that. So, you know, it's time for the conversation about whether or not, um, you know, 
vaccination is required in reference to keeping your job and whether or not it's required in reference to health and safety and saving lives. Um, because we don't mandate to vaccinate against the flu, obviously. Um, I'm becoming increasingly uncomfortable with some employers' approach um, who are suddenly deciding they want to mandate f- um, for vaccination at this juncture. Now, they've had some time to do this, mm. and suddenly they're deciding that they want to uh, mandate now. And the reasons they, they are talking about the conversation isn't about the health and safety of the community. No, no. It isn't about keeping each other safe. It isn't about saving lives. It's about uh, commercial um, profit and gains. So what they're saying is, gosh, we could lose up to 20 to 30% of our staff as a result of them getting sick, you know, and that will be terrible for our profits. Well, yep. actually, you can't mandate for commercial reasons any more than you can mandate that somebody must have the flu so you don't get people away with the flu. You can't do that. It's about health and safety. There are four factors to consider. None of them are related to commercial reasons. So I'm becoming increasingly uncomfortable with employers who suddenly want to mandate to vaccinate now on the basis that they might lose lots of staff uh, through this Omicron spread. The other, the other thing that we, we're currently talking about um, with the major employers is um, the use of sick leave, you know, when they... You know, when they get uh, when they've got it, and you know, because it is a sickness, and and of course our members are, you know, you have to stay at home. You have to, you know, uh, you know, they they're struggling to get special leave, you know, and that stuff. So there's big discussions happening, you know, within our union and some of these big players around how we do that, and and um, you know, because we don't believe that, you know, people should be losing all their sick leave on this thing and have nothing, you know, because mm. we know that. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you get it in the household, you've got a, you got a, you're going to catch the, 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 you know, at some stage you're going to catch it, you know. So, it's it's a tricky, tricky thing. Yeah. So what we'll do, um, George, is um, we'll just pause out and and we'll have a have a song. And um, I was going to leave it to the end, but I, I thought I'd just uh, well let's have a breather, mate. Um, and what this song is is Roy Orbison uh, working for the man. Uh. Forget about your women and that water can Today you're working for the man Well, pick up your feet, we've got a deadline to meet I'm gonna see you make it on time Oh, don't relax, I want elbows and backs I wanna see everybody from behind Uh, Roy Orbison's uh, Working for the Man, something I can relate to, Working for the Man. George, um, we're getting near the end, mate, but there's a few things uh, I know that uh, you just wanted to quickly mention in regards to maybe 
you know, watch the space stuff. Um, yes. So what, what's, your, what's your excitement that's coming up on maybe future shows? Well, I, don't, I think excitement might be the wrong word. Well, I'm just trying to wind this <laughs> up, mate. Um, um, it will <laughs> be exciting yeah, for some, yeah, I can tell yeah, you, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting on in years. It takes a lot to excite me. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> I think uh, the things of importance that are coming up are the um, income protection insurance yeah, very that good. this government's talking about. So that's a situation where, like ACC, the worker and the employer pay a levy. And I think they're quoting 1.38% of your income. Mm. So the employer would obviously have to match that. Um, there's lots of detail to work through around that. though. It's um, That's guaranteed it, redundancy, isn't it? Uh, well, no, it's not guaranteed redundancy. It's guaranteed income over a six-month period at 80% of whatever your yeah. earnings were. And within that time frame, there'd also be available free training um, to reskill you mm. should you need to to fit back in the market. Yeah, yeah. There'll also be a need for you to look for work, um, but it won't be you won't have to take just any job. It would have to be a job. You would be required to take a like job. Mm. Um, so what, you can't just yeah. You so you won't be able to just sit on the insurance for six yeah. months and do nothing. You'll actually have to be actively looking for work. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, if every time you lose your job, you have that six month of income guaranteed. Yeah. Um, you know, that's great, isn't it? And that's on top of any redundancy mm-hmm. compensation agreements you may have. They are unaffected by this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, we've got uh, some changes to the Holidays Act as well coming up, isn't there? Yes. Um, so I'm waiting with eager breath for the outcome of that because. Um, what, I, what we understand is, is that there is some confusion about how to interpret the Holidays Act in reference to a number of things. Mm. Um, but my feeling is, is that every time any government tries to create clarity, they actually do the opposite and yeah. they create yeah. a new question. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, But, you know, I think good on them because there is uh, quite a lot of um, uncertainty around how to interpret. Unions manage these situations and we have agreements with employers, so we really end up in court <coughs> over me. holiday pay issues. Uh, we normally have that sort of stuff sorted out. And lastly, the other really big one, which probably you know pretty much off the rank first, is uh, the uh, FPAs, the fair pay agreements. Mm. So um, these are all ones that uh, we'll be keeping our eye on, and I'm sure they'll be in future shows coming yep. up, I reckon. Eh? Yep, so um, an income protected insurance fair pay agreements and changes to uh, the Holidays Mm. Act. These are things that will be coming up in future shows. So please stay tuned. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Hey, look, um, killer brother, uh, thank you for joining me in the the studio and and, – and doing a little bit of a chat and just a kind of relaxed way. I really appreciate it, mate. Um, to everybody else, uh, that's our show for uh, today. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, for Unions Manawa 2, Calling All Workers, this is Derek Picking and George Larkin signing off. Kia ora. Kia ora. Now I'm a union man Amazed at what I am I say what I think that the company stinks Yes, I'm a union man When we meet in the local hall I'll be voting with them all With a hell of a shout It's out, brothers, out And the rise of the factories fall Oh, you don't get me out
of the company spies And I don't get fooled by the factory rules Cause I always read between the lines And I always get my way If I strike for higher pay When I show my card to the Scotland Yard And this is what I say Oh, you don't get me out this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.